0: Hello and welcome to another jam-packed episode of We Love Books, the show where we absolutely love kids' books and we know you do too. On today's episode, did you grow up watching Blue Peter? Because I did always wanted one of those badges never quite got one well today we're joined by an actual real life blue peter presenter turned author radzi Chinyanganya, to tell us about what inspires him his fantastic and very diverse television career and of course his new book move like a lion we've got plenty more to come besides that but first after a long break our libraries are now officially back open I'm very excited because, as you know, I'm a book person and I'm a big library user. No surprises there. My trips to the library are always a highlight of my week and I absolutely love that you can order any book you want online and DVDs and all kinds of things and pick them up at your local branch. or oh, what a gift. Pretty much every book in the world at your fingertips for free. Yes, please. So to celebrate, I decided to ask you guys, what do you love? about going to the library.
1: I like the library because it's a nice, calm place where I can read. I can meet other people and share our book recommendations and have fun together. I love libraries because they're everywhere, they're comfy and you can read so many books. You've got so many options too. You have history, geographic, fiction, all sorts of books they're really fun because well you can fall into very very deep imagination i love them my favorite thing is like um why they're so quiet and peaceful really nice because it's very peaceful and there's hundreds of books and you can even do fun activities because I used to go to this library and you could just draw stuff and
2: other things.
1: I like libraries because they're full of knowledge and have lots of collection of books. They're also very useful if you want a book because they are all over the place. They had lots of books to read. There's someone who you ask for a book and then she gives you a book to borrow and then you borrow it for a few days, bring it back and get another one. A library works, so you go in, you, you pick out a book from the shelves and then you would bring it to the librarian and show it to them and then you would bring it home and then you would keep it for a little while and then return it and get a new book. I like that there's different categories for different ages so you know what books you might like. I like libraries because they are full of knowledge and have lots of collection of books. They are also very useful if you want a book because they are all over the place. Bye!
0: Well, now when We Love Books, we usually have you guys bringing us your book reviews. However, today we've got something a bit different. 13-year-old Kian and 11-year-old Maeve are a brother and sister dynamic duo who have their very own YouTube channel reviewing books and it's called Book Monster. Bookmonster is a very impressive platform that you can go to to find out all about loads of wonderful books that you may or may not be interested in sinking your teeth into. So Maeve and Kian can tell you what they're about and if they're for you. I asked them to tell us about what they do and what you can enjoy when you check out and subscribe to their channel.
3: So we have a channel called Bookmonster and it's basically where we do book reviews so that other children know if the book that they want to buy is actually good, or so that parents know if the book that they want to get for their children would be suitable. Well, we kind of got the idea from um, all the reading we've been doing during lockdown, and we thought, why don't we put it out there and, you know, encourage other people to read as well. During lockdown, I'd say I've read about 100 to 150 books. Okay, maybe not 100. (laughs) <laughs> i say about 50, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd say in the past year, I have read um, yeah, also 50 to 75 or 80 books. So, Keenan and I, we start by writing the book reviews. Most of the time, we um, write the book review for a book which like, we just finished reading. But sometimes, for a change, we might use a book which we read a while back. And then we just read the back of the book so that we can remember what the book is all about. So after we actually wrote the book review, we record the review. Keen and I are in charge of writing the book reviews and also, of course, talking about the books. <laughs> then my dad is in charge of recording the videos and then also editing them. And he also created the intro and the outro and my mom is in charge of the social media and she also writes the descriptions for the videos. Mave made that logo. <laughs> yeah. Well, I used um, like, it's um, a digital drawing. I didn't do it on paper. Well, I had an idea in my head and then I just started drawing that and I started drawing like the pink half and the blue half and then I wanted to merge them together, merge the layers together, but that didn't really work. So then I decided to draw the monster, and then draw the line in the middle, and then just colour both sides. Well, I think my favourite thing about um, the Monster channel is probably the recording of the videos. It's the most fun. My favourite thing is also um, recording the book reviews, and it's also really fun to um, just watch the video when it's all edited and when it's ready to go. It feels great. I, I think we're very proud of ourselves. I think we've come a long way from when we started. Like, we now have nearly 60 subscribers. So, you see, we lived in Switzerland for a majority of our lives. And we'll have been here in Ireland for three years in May. And when we moved here, um, We didn't have a lot of English. I mean, we we talked a bit of English because my mom's from Ireland and she talked English with us and we talked in English to her. But um, we never actually read in English. So when we came here, we had to start with like really Mm -hmm. small, like small books and simple books. And then then we just worked our way up. And then after those tiny books, we kind of went on to like David Walliams and then into the actual big, small writing books. Um, I think what makes a good, uh, really good uh, book, I think, is definitely tension in the book. It keeps up all the excitement. And if it's interesting, if the story makes sense, and then if it keeps the excitement up throughout the book, then it becomes a really good story. Well, I think what makes a good book is when it's well-described, but not too well so that it gets boring. And also, as Keen said, that it keeps up the excitement throughout the whole book and that it doesn't get confusing at parts, like that it doesn't just skip like from Johnny went home to Johnny was in school. So my favorite book at the moment, I'm not actually done the book, but I'm nearly done, as you see here, I'm nearly done. It's The Kane Chronicles by Rick Riordan. It's really good. There's fighting all the time, there's escaping and running, and that's my favorite book at the moment. And then my second favorite book is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. After that, not many people probably know this. It is Dragon Keeper by Carol Wilkinson. It's very good. And then one I've reviewed already is Deep Light. And I think this is a really, really good book. It's really good. Well, both Keen and I are really into fantasy, so that's basically the main book genre on our shelves. (laughs) But my favorite at the moment is A Pinch of Magic by Michelle Harrison. I got it for my birthday, which was only last month, and it already um, climbed its way up my charts to the favorite book. (laughs) Then another really good book is Star by Abby Elphinstone which is really good. I haven't reviewed either of those yet, but I have a review ready to go for A Pinch of Magic. Then if children are into fairy tales, and this is um, a really great series, I would recommend The Land of Stories series by Chris Colfer, because um, it, it kind of mixes up all of the fairy tales, where all the fairy tales come together. And then just some, more of my favourites are The Eye of the North by Sinead O'Hart and her other book as well, um, The Starspun Web. And I also have Never Tell by Catherine Orton. Then there's North Child by Edith Patu. And The Girl of Incan Stars by... Seriously? I do not know how to pronounce this. Kieran Millwood Hargrave, I think. I would actually love to be an author. (laughs) I would write fantasy stories.
0: Well, today's We Love Books featured author is Radzi, who you might know as a Blue Peter presenter or from one of his other TV ventures, but he's now adding another string to his bow and he's published a very unique book called Move Like a Lion, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But first though, let's let Radzi introduce himself.
2: My name is Radzi Chinganya, and I am delighted to say that I, as well as being a TV presenter, I'm also a brand new author, and I'll be telling you all about that very shortly, but you might know me on TV from shows like Blue Peter, which was my favorite TV show when I was a child, or you might know me from doing sports, or doing crafts, or doing strongman, or doing wrestling, or doing any gamut of, of a whole array of different things, but I love presenting, I love telling stories Um, but I've got a brand new book out which makes me officially, apparently, an author as well.
0: Radzi has a very impressive career and list of achievements, but they don't come without considerable effort and self-belief on his part. The struggle was real, pressure makes a diamond, all good things take time, and all of that. So what was Radzi's journey to success like for him?
2: Well, it took me three years to get my break in TV. Three years of working for free three years of living in a hostel, three years of being a mascot called Spike the Lion, a mascot called Busby the Bird, three years of not being sure if it was ever going to happen. And ultimately, it all really came down to the fact that I remember vividly being at my university in, my, in a library and asking everyone in my second year, what do you want to do when you leave uni? And a load of them just said, got no idea. And rolled on a year later, the same people said, oh, I want to work in marketing, I want to work in finance, I want to work in HR. And I thought, no, you don't. But they were all kidding themselves that's what they wanted to do. That really hit me hard because I just figured, hmm, so in life, we all pretend that we want to do the thing that society tells us we want to do. And that then made me think, well, what do I really want to do? Then prior to that, when I was in school, I never felt particularly, I didn't have any special talents. So I wasn't exceptional at football, exceptional at rugby, exceptional cricket. I definitely wasn't exceptional with girls. So I figured, right, what am I going to do that makes me stand out? How can I do something that's bigger than myself? And then I've always loved the idea of being a presenter. But before that, I tried to do Um, skeleton bobsleigh. I tried to be a winter Olympian and that failed ultimately and then after that failing, I thought well you can either do what everyone else does and do what you should do and do what the status quo says and do what society tells you you should do or you chase another unicorn and I just figured I knew deep down the only way I would be able to look myself in the mirror at 50 years old is if I have at least found out what's on the other side of that door, if I've at least tried. I don't care about answers I don't want to hear, but I can't deal with questions I don't have the answers to. And so it comes from a whole remit of different things, but I guess it comes from a big question mark about what's possible. And in my school, being the only person from my school who's on education maintenance allowance, i.e. the only person who comes from a Um, an income background that meant I was the lowest it partly comes from single parent family it partly comes from um, having a support infrastructure around me of love and belief and it also comes from questioning the world around me and ever since I've held the microphone and I've loved every minute of it
0: it's amazing that you had the confidence to pursue that dream for three years before anything happened what would you have done if it hadn't worked out so well
2: so part of any success I've had becoming success is because there wasn't a plan B. And that's not in some kind of Eminem rap song.
0: That's just,
2: that is literally because I, so I did economics at uni and you, you finish economics. So I spent the first year trying to do skeleton bobsleigh. Didn't happen. So that's one year after my degree. And then when we got to about 18 months of me trying to be a presenter, that's two and a half years after i graduated. And at that point, I realized, it just dawned on me, no one's gonna employ me for a grad job because why would you take on a guy who hasn't been a graduate for two and a half years when you could take somebody who's just graduated? And so I decided to carry on.
0: Well, I'm so glad you did because you had the most incredible career. And I don't want you to be intimidated when I tell you this, but you are in the presence of greatness. I did actually win um, the gladiators competition in my school in 1995, beating out at least at least 20 other 10-year-old girls, and I won an Easter egg. Yes. So I don't I don't want you to feel intimidated by my Easter egg. I also got a hairband, <laughs> so that's probably my my career highlight when I I did in fact beat between 19 and 21 other 10 year olds um dressed in <laughs> leotards and i'm wondering if you had any moments that were as high as that in your career what are your favorite moments
2: if the truth be told my biggest highlight was getting my job on blue pizza. something that i as many people have dreamt of literally dreamt of yeah and then it had gotten to the point where i didn't know if it was ever going to happen i didn't know if my foray and pursuit into TV would result in anything. And I'd actually become quite accepting of that, that failure was not only plausible, but it was now, dare I say, probable. So to roll the dice, and then the reality of being told or being asked, we'd like you to become the 37th repeat presenter. I mean, Words can't quite do justice to, to how that feels, because it's not just about winning a race. It's not euphoria. It's a culmination of, if you like, daring to dream and then finding out that... Uh, I mean, I've had so many failures. And so to finally have that, we want you, and to have my life changed in, an, in a sentence, it was possibly the greatest... 20 seconds of my life I don't think I'll ever have a moment like that again and I won't be able to because it, the, the transformative nature of that decision meant that I went from living in a hostel to be live on a show that I grew up watching on a Thursday at 5:30. It meant I went from sweeping a sports hall floor at 6am on a Monday to getting on a train to film with people who have the most incredible stories. And so it was just absolutely off the charts.
0: That's an amazing story and told so well. I really hope your next book is How to Succeed with Bradsey because that, that would be <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I really need to ask you about Blue Peter though because that is the dream for so many kids and presenters. I mean, the absolute dream. What did you think was the most fun part of being a Blue Peter presenter?
2: probably the most fun It's actually the most ordinary. And it's kids coming up to you. And so I used to do a thing called the happy dance. And one time this kid just ran up to me and went, Bretty! did the happy dance and then ran ah. off. And I just thought, that's really cool because you're, you're able to, you're able to permeate into a, a child's life. And I used to be silly a lot. And I was silly because I wanted to put a smile on kids' faces. And, and that was what you ultimately do it for. You do it for the badge, as we used to say, do it for the Blue Heater badge. But you also do it because what a privilege it is for when young people come up to you. They're not going to say, you're rubbish, you play for top and I support Arsenal. They're going to say, nice to meet you or high five or selfie or whatever it might be. What a wonderful privilege that is to be able to wear that crown and to be able to, who knows their background, who knows what kind of life they have at home, who knows how much money they've got, who knows what their aspirations are or what their potential is or whatever. But you can speak words to that person. And I don't like the word inspire because I think it gets overused, but you can actually fill that child with belief in themselves. And it, and nothing's changed in my life. All that's happened is you've put a plastic badge on my chest and you've got a microphone on my lapel And I then speak to a nation and it's an absolute privilege. And so of all the amazing things I've gotten to do, incredible people I've gotten to meet, actually when it all comes down to is meeting young people and putting a smile on their face.
0: And you're definitely doing that with this amazing book, Move Like a Lion, which I'm really excited about. Could you tell us about the book? Now this isn't a storybook. This is something very interesting.
2: So I made this book basically for 10 year old Radzi. So growing up, I was not a big reader and actually the idea of the book came a long time before lockdown it didn't come as a result of it it's just that when lockdown happened yeah it actually was unbelievably timely i was writing it when lockdown started and so what this is about is i love sport but i'm aware that sport can be exclusive and i went to seven different schools as a kid and sport was my ability to be accepted to communicate to have value i guess because If you are not bad at at football in the playground, you're going to get selected for the team by whoever is going to choose the team for that rave or that lunch. So I knew the new kids would become ingratiated very quickly because of sports, but that's if you have those abilities. What if you don't, well sport can be exclusive. You can feel too fat, too ugly, too um, uncoordinated, too sweaty, too spotty, whatever it might be. And so I wanted this book to be about inclusivity, not exclusivity. And I didn't want it to be about competitiveness. But I wanted it to celebrate the part of the power of the sport, which is how you feel. A lot of adult books, especially quote-unquote exercise books, talk about how you look. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in how you feel. Because if you move more, you'll feel better. you feel better, you'll do that more. And if you do that more, that probably will change how you look. But that's not the aim. The aim is to change how you feel. And I thought, right, what could I use as a vehicle to make young people move? And I thought, well, I could just go for exercises. I thought, well, that's not it. That's not going to inspire people. And I thought, well, when I was young, there are two things that resonated with me, superheroes and animals. And I thought, well, superheroes are invariably humans, so they move in a very similar manner. I thought, well, animals, that opens up so many options. And so I then spent a month looking at an animal and trying to think, How could I move like that? And so I looked at a scorpion and thought, right, what could I do there? I looked at an egg and thought, what could I do there? A panda, a snake, you name it, it's pretty much all in there. And it's something that gives you a wake-up routine, a settling down routine, so it gets you ready for the day, it calms you down for going to bed, and gives you lots of movements that you can do throughout the day. It has easier versions, it has more challenging versions, But the whole premise is that it's accessible, it's enjoyable, you'll feel better when you do it, and you can pick it up and read one page, or pick it up and go through the entire book in one sitting if you want to, it's up to you.
0: And we couldn't possibly let Razzie go without subjecting him to the grueling. We love books' favourites round. Let's see how he held up under intense pressure. What is... Your favourite colour? Silver. Ooh, I've never had that answer before. Your favourite animal? Chimpanzee. Favourite sport?
2: Athletics.
0: Favourite food? Curry. Favourite pizza topping?
2: Meat feast slash Hawaiian.
0: Favourite kids book?
2: The war game that's set in the First World War, and it's when the two sides on Christmas Day didn't fight one another and they had a football match in no man's land, a very, very special story
0: favorite kids movie
2: oh uh the goonies
0: your favorite toy that you've ever had
2: the original Game Boy. favorite hobby watching a lot of youtube and deprived myself of a lot of sleep
0: and finally radzi what is your favorite gift you ever got from santa that is a good
2: question so this is tough because of an amazing presence from my parents i'm trying to think what came from Santa? Ah, I'll tell you what it was. I'm glad I waited, there was a lot of tension around that. It was a Super Nintendo with Mario Kart. It was second hand, but Santa still managed to get a hold of it. And when I opened the box, I could not believe my eyes. It was, and this is back in the day, Need, which you may remember um, of, cartridges. So
0: yeah. you lifted
2: the cartridge out and you had to blow the inside yeah. and it didn't work. That was as ticker as it got back and you just blew it, shove it back in and then off to the races. Mario Kart, game changer.
0: Well, now on We Love Books, we love hearing from you. And today, 10-year-old Abby tells us what story she would like to write if she sat down to write a book tomorrow.
1: Well, first of all, it would be like almost narrated by the person themselves, the main character. And I'd set it back probably when the world was maybe like, when there wasn't so many rights and all probably maybe mid mid 20th century or early 20th century someone like dealing with yeah their problems with the world because not so many people believed that everything was right back then someone who was afraid to like tell anybody something and they're trying to like maybe find out how to deal with it all probably around a teenage like late teens and I think a girl maybe. Maybe if she had an uncle who was a politician and he thought of the world in one way and it wasn't a very nice way and stuff. And then he might like find out about her and what she was trying to do. And then he would stop her and like lock her in her bedroom and all. And she'd have to find a way to escape. Since it's based in a certain time, maybe like she deals with like a lot of issues with the world. I think it would probably have to be a series and it would be, like, spread across her whole entire life and her dealing with all the issues of the world.
0: Thanks, Abby. That sounds like a powerful coming-of-age tale to inspire. Well, that's all we have time for on today's We Love Books. Thanks to all of our contributors and to everyone who helped organize the recordings and Zoom calls, and thanks to all of you for listening. On next week's show, author Lindsay Galvin is on the trail of a dragon with a real-life-inspired tale of thrilling adventure and daring discovery. I'm Neve Bennett, this is We Love Books, and until next time, happy reading!